going to begin this morning, launch out. Jeremiah chapter number 30. Jeremiah 30. Good morning. All right. I just woke up, or I got in, into my room this morning, and the Holy Spirit's like, um, he said this word, he said, uh, take my people up. And earlier in the week, I was wrestling with this in Exodus 33. Moses says, you know, who are these people that are going to go up with us? And... Uh, Jeremiah 30, listen to this, this is a consolation about what's going to happen and what we're engaging with this morning together. What you're doing here this morning, what you're, you're going to understand this here in a minute, but what you're engaging with us here on, up, up here together as we corporate, we're going to corporately ascend into the into the most holy place today. The Lord wants a partnership among us here, like that we engage with him for your brothers and your sisters that are all throughout this land as the Lord begins to draw up an offspring up out of the, out of the earth and begins to arrange a remnant family to come together. Hear the word of the Lord out of Jeremiah chapter number 30. The Lord spoke to Jeremiah. The Lord God of Israel says, write everything that I'm about to tell you in a scroll. For I, the Lord, affirm that the time will come when I will reverse the plight of my people, Israel and Judah. Says the Lord, I will bring them back to the land I gave their ancestors and they will take possession of it once again. So here is what the Lord has to say about Israel and Judah. Yes, here is what he says. You have heard the cries of panic and of terror. And there is no peace in sight. Ask yourselves this and consider it carefully. Have you ever seen a man give birth to a baby? Why then do you... Why then do I see all these strong men grabbing their stomach in pain like a woman who is giving birth? And why do their faces turn so deathly pale? Alas, what a terrible time of trouble it is. There has never been anything like it. It is a time of trouble for the descendants of Jacob but some of them will be rescued out of it when the time for them to be rescued comes. Says the Lord who rules over all, I will rescue you from foreign subjugation. I will deliver you from captivity and foreigners will no longer subjugate them. But they will be subject to the Lord their God and to the Davidic ruler whom I will raise up to be king over them. So I, the Lord, tell you, 
Not to be afraid, you descendants of Jacob, my servants. Do not be terrified, people of Israel. For I will rescue you and your descendants from a faraway land where you have been in captivity. The descendants of Jacob will return to their land and enjoy peace. Their, the, the exile, is, I know this from the Lord, the exile is over. And, and many in the church and many of God's remnant family have been in exile, but the Lord is signaling the end to the exile. And this is this sense of being forewarned, not knowing where you belong, not finding your place among God's family. And, and there's a casting off of, of the parties to be joined in with a family. And you and I, the Lord has ordained this ministry um, and many others, I'm sure, to begin to proclaim that a remnant family is coming together, Israel and Judah. The ten northern and the, and the two to three southern king, uh, tribes are coming together. We will not be separated anymore. And I will give you peace, says the Lord, and they will be secure, and no one will terrify us anymore. For I, the Lord, affirm that I will be with you, and I will rescue, and I will completely destroy the nations where I have scattered you. But I will not completely destroy you. I will indeed discipline you, but only in due measure. And I will not allow you to go entirely unpunished. Moreover, the Lord says to the people of Zion, your injuries are incurable and your wounds are severe. And there has been no one to plead your cause. There are no remedies for your wounds. There has been no healing for you. All your allies have abandoned you. They no longer have any concern for you. For I have attacked you like an enemy would. I have chastened you cruelly. For your wickedness is so great and your sin is so much. But all who destroyed you will be destroyed. All your enemies will go into exile. Those who plundered you will be plundered. And I will cause those who pillaged you to be pillaged. Yes, I will restore you to health and I will heal your wounds. I, the Lord, affirm it. For you have been called an outcast. Zion has been called an outcast whom no one cares for. And the Lord says, I will restore the ruined houses of the descendants of Jacob. I will show compassion on their ruined homes. Every city will be rebuilt as it was in the former ruins. And every fortified dwelling will occupy its traditional site. Out of those places you will hear the songs of thanksgiving. And the sounds of laughter and merriment. I will increase their number and they will not dwindle away. I will bring them honor and they will no longer be despised. The descendants of Jacob will enjoy their former privileges. Their community will be reestablished in my favor and I will punish all who try to oppress them. 
One of their own people will be their leader and their ruler will come from their own number. And I will invite him to approach me and he will do so. For no one would dare approach me on his own. I, the Lord, affirm it. Then you will again be my people and I will be your God. Just watch. The wrath of the Lord will come like a storm. And like a raging storm, it will rage down on the heads of those who are the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has fully carried out these purposes that he intends over this nation and the nations of the world. In days to come, you will come to understand this. And we are being brought together for this such a time as this because this word must be proclaimed and we must agree with it that the Lord is restoring his family, both Israel and Judah. The royal family of God is coming together as one, and we will be united all throughout the land. And the Lord is raising up this family, this royal family, to be one with him. No longer any more division over our families and our families here. God, bring our families together and unite our families and cause our households to love you again and to be completely committed to your cause. Lord, have your way with us this morning. Have your way with us.
if I don't bring this out from the Lord right now. Um, so this has to do with uh, uh, jaundice. And I'm just going to read what, what this is about and then pray for um, healing here this morning. Jaundice is a condition in which the skin whites of the eyes and the mucous membrane uh, turn yellow because of a high level of bilirubin. And a yellow-orange bile pigment. Uh, jaundice has many causes, including hepatitis, gallstones, uh, tumors. And in adults, jaundice usually doesn't uh, it necessarily doesn't have to be treated. But and you know, I don't know if anyone of you in here deal with this, um, but the Holy Spirit just keeps telling me, and I just I, I'm. It's why we're, we're dipping down. is because he wants to bring some healing here this morning. 
Lord, just I pray for direction right now about this, what is related here. And I, I, I don't, I want to be sensitive if you're dealing with this, if you're dealing with anything related to jaundice kind of symptoms, uh, that you would move out to, uh, with the Lord this morning. Now, um, some of you may not be comfortable to come forward and say, yeah, I've got some of this going on in my life. And if you're not, it's fine. But if you do want to come forward and you want to just say some of this or somebody in my family or something's going on related to, uh, to jaundice, um, again, gallstones, tumors, hepatitis, uh, and then another thing the Lord keeps telling me about this, both, both n- not just in the natural sense of jaundice, but also in the spiritual sense, many of us have had our eyes colored by that which is yellow, and the Lord wants to enlighten our eyes this morning. So in uh, Psalms 13, it says, so that we will not sleep the sleep of death. And the Lord wants to open our eyes to the realm of the Spirit so that we can see clearly Jesus says, I only do uh, what I see my Father doing. So if this is a natural ailment for you, or you're asking the Lord for greater clarity, I mean that you're getting the double proof and triple proof encounters of the Lord, and you're saying, are you speaking to me? But I need to know, I want you to move this morning into a place this morning and say, I either want healing from this, or I want to be... uh, uh, released into my eyes uh, that God, Lord, that will open our eyes so that we can look up into the heavens and see. So yes, Lord, yes, Lord. So if you if you sense that and you want to make a move forward, come forward. And if someone comes forward and you want to pray over them, please do reach out and pray for the uh, pray for Rafi as he comes forward this morning. If you have. I want you to join together, and we're going to join together. Holy Spirit's got His finger on this this morning. Lord, we release your spirit this morning by your power out of your presence, Lord, for healing. We release healing this morning from uh, that comes against us with jaundice, Lord, has colored our vision or that has literally attacked our physical well-being. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, listen, they say this is incurable, but I ask you in the name of Jesus this morning, Take hepatitis out of your church, Lord. And if any of you, I know many of you would never want to say, yeah, I'm dealing with this, but I just pray, Lord, this morning, uh, healing from hepatitis, healing from tumors, and healing right now in the name of Jesus. We we wait on you for your power to be delivered this morning, Lord. Jesus, we wait on you. Just press into the Lord. Just pray, pray till you get to a place of like stand in victory and you connect to Him. Connect to the Lord.
justice is the path to a party of thanksgiving. From the depths of death, I've been, and I've been lifted up.
you right now that the Lord keeps saying this to me you know obedience is better than sacrifice and I notice a number of you are moving into position but if the Holy Spirit is like speaking to you and you need to express him in a particular way I want to open this room up for you to do that obedience is better than sacrifice Sometimes our heart, I, I don't know if you feel this, but a lot of times when the Lord starts to speak to me, my heart will start beating really fast. And you know, I got to move out. This room is an environment where you can do that. You know, sometimes we say, Lord, if I go out on the line like that, you know, how am I going to look in front of others? And we, we need to just be obedient. I know sometimes he's in sanctuaries, he's had me run around sanctuaries and do all kinds of things. And you know, I don't know what it is for you. But if you have something from the Lord, don't hold back. I have something. You know, the Lord said this to me. He, he said this to me. He says, do you believe me that I'll heal Victoria Weatherman? He said that to me up here. He said, do you believe me that I'll heal Victoria Weatherman? Do you believe me that I'll heal her blood issue? Do you believe me? Yeah. I believe you love your daughter with an everlasting love. And I was like just kind of waiting. I watched Victoria get up and move, and then she went she went out. She's not in here with us right now, but do you believe me that I'll heal her? I was like, Lord, I want a miracle for her. I want a miracle for her. I want to see the testimony. I want to see the testimony come for her. And I believe you, Lord. I say it publicly because I believe you. I believe you for your daughter, Lord. I believe you for full healing for Victoria. I believe you for a miracle. 
We believe you for, yes, victory, Wendy. Let one in our midst taste a miracle. Yeah. Oh, let her taste a miracle. Let her be a testimony to your glory, the greatness of who you are, the one who has eyes to see into the angelic realm, the one who speaks and prophesies for you, Lord. Let Victoria, let her be healed. Let her be touched this morning. Let her have a miracle. Let the great victories be in our midst, Holy Spirit. Let the great victories come where we dance on injustice. Oh, Lord, we want you more than life itself. We want to believe you. We want to trust you, Lord. We want everything all for your glory. That we would give the honor and the glory to you. Oh, for your power. That when your power comes, we would walk in meekness. Lord, as you expand your house, Lord. We want your ways. I'll bring your miracle touch, Lord. While we believe you. Yeah.
you just put your hands on Victoria and pray. If you're around her, put your hands on her right there. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Miracles. Miracles. Yes, Lord. For surely I do a new thing, says the Lord. Oh, don't think it'd be strange who you are. Oh, think it not strange. For behold, I do a new thing, says the Lord. But in this hour, I'm precedented. the second threshold. Hey, this is the place.
from a dream I woke up from in which I saw an army being 
gathered together, an army preparing to be deployed. I believe this is, this is the thing that is being birthed in this hour at this time. This month, next month, it is now. And I declare the birth of the army of the Lord into the earth. Father, I declare your will be done through your army. Father, I decree that this army shall cross racial lines, cultural lines, national lines. We will be one in you, one in the Lord. I call forth the African-American church in this nation to take her place, that we would fight alongside each other, that we would be knit together, that all hundreds of years of brokenness would be healed, that we would see each other for who we are in Christ, in humility and meekness. Church, arise. Army, arise. I declare it in Jesus' name. Bride, awaken. Bride, awaken. In the name of Jesus. What's, what's happening here right now? I keep hearing the words say this. This is, why, this is why we don't hold back in this place that we just came into because what's happening is what's called transmutation. What you're experiencing is, is transmutation. It's the act of changing your state of being to be changed into another form. I don't know how you experience that. For me, it feels like, like, I mean, being invaded by light. And like a part of me is having to fall away. 
like something's like lights going through and it's taking out what's not like him to be conformed to his image peter spoke of these things that you right now are taking on the divine nature when you come up to the ancient door so many people they back away when they get through the first door so many of the church have been up to the first door some have come into that that holy place and begin to minister to the Lord eat the table eat from the table of shoe bread they partake of the seven stick menorah receiving the seven spirits of God but you and I this morning we're up up to that that golden altar of incense that's where we're at this body right now that's where you're hanging out at and that ancient door that door that the blood purchased for a living access the great glory of the Lord in the end of the age was that we corporately would go in there together that we would that he's already made a way he opened it up for us and you talk about you know I say Lord you you placed here who you want to be here this morning so that we can have access into that new and living way there's transmutation here right now to deliver us of old mindsets to deliver us from our consciousness Hebrews 10 even of sin to take out the consciousness of guilt and shame where love love a love that a love that never ends and is eternal and is beautiful and magnificent the great glory of the light and mercy of our Father. Oh, take the transmutation of the Lord. Let, let the light pass through. Oh. Yeah. I want your light, Lord. I want to be converted into a new form. I want to be like you, Lord. I want to be like you, Lord. Oh, I long for you. Oh, we long for you, Lord. Oh, we want you, Lord. Oh, you bring you bring the light to give us his life and godliness. Say yes, Lord. I want all you can give. Let every sin, every encumbrance that we've been weighted down with fall down. This beset us. It's cost us. I throw off everything for the life and godliness of my king. Don't miss your moment right now. Don't miss this moment right here. So many relax here, but this is your moment. Yes, you, you enter in by rest. Yes. Oh, let him do for you what you can do for yourself. And no psychology, no philosophy, no theology can do for us but him. Oh, I want you, Holy Spirit. I want your fire. 
I want your wind, I want your wine. I want your oil and gladness. I want to be clothed and characterized by you, Lord. I want all that you have for this congregation of the Lord. Oh, we want all that you have, all that you would be willing to give. You gave your whole self to us, Lord. Yeah. My boldness, we enter in. Confident sons and daughters. But not shrink back.
us, God. We just glorify your name this morning, Lord. With every breath that you breathe in us, Lord, let us give you honor and praise, God. Lord, I repent for a couple weeks ago when you showed me this that I didn't step forward. Lord, and I just ask forgiveness for fear, God. If there's any fear here from anyone, Lord, just remove it. Lord, and just fill us with your perfect love, God. Because it's lacking. If there's any fear at all, so I remove that in Jesus' name. A couple weeks ago, the Lord showed me that we are gatekeepers as adults, and it's time to get out of the way and open the gates for the youth and the children. Today's generation, step forward right now. They are ready. God said they're ready. So we just release them into your presence, God, in your glory. As the world system is failing, God, that they will walk in your kingdom and your glory. So I just call the youth and the even from all the way down to the babies to step forward right now into their calling, into their gifts. In Jesus' mighty name, pray. Amen. We just have all the young people and the children to come forward. We parents to get behind them and just pray over them. All, right, all, all the children, okay, come forward. All the, all the way down. Like our teenagers, young adults. Hey, you, hey, you little, you guys, come on forward in the back and come on forward. If you would, get up behind the kids um, and let's pray over them. All our babies, all our children, come forward. Good good girls. Thank you, Sadie. Come on. Jonah, come on. All right. Let's just begin praying, okay? Pray over the children. Get a hold of them, Lord. Get them, Lord. Get a hold of them, Jesus. Pour out your love on them. Some of you, you're really getting touched this morning. I've been watching you. Just let yourself go. Just let the Lord minister to you and you feel his sweet, sweet presence. That is so good. We release your gifts and callings over there, Lord, and what you call them into and who they are and your divine purposes over them. Pray for all the hindrances, Lord, that are removed out of their heart to make full access to you. That there will be a way, this new and living way that we're that we're seeking for, even as adults, Lord, that we would have a new and living way to you. And just pray. Touch them, Lord. Fill them with your Holy Spirit.
over our children, Lord. Release the gifts of your spirit, Lord, over them. Release your divine love and prerogative over them. That they know they're loved by you and desired by you. May they be the generation that comes up in peace. No more in war. And they will know the peace that passes all understanding. They will know peace. And our minds will be liberated into peace. A generation of peace. We pray for the children. They're not present here in your, your, your children. Overall children. Even the children that are yours and your grandchildren. Jesus, we ask you this morning for our children and the grandchildren. We ask you, Lord, that they would have a divine experience with you and they would be known by you and that you would reveal yourself to them through dreams and visions and encounters. Lord, we ask you. The Lord says to me, I hear your prayer and I will answer you. I hear this prayer and I will fulfill my word to you. Your children and your grandchildren will know me. Generational transfer, a generational blessing. I was standing back there um, I'm 63 years old and the Lord said I want to I want you to get to know me and I feel and I'm 63 hello and I want to get to know him and I want him to get to know me so that's what he's saying to you you know just get to know him and you have to anyway that's all I want to say Steve, Steve Seniors brought this out to me before, and y'all can go back to your seats. Um, but it was, and I think it's just a powerful reality that Enoch, right? He was how old? He was 65, right? He was 65, and he has his son. At 65 years of age, he has his first son. Um, his son is going to be, what, the oldest man that ever lives, right? 969 years old, Methuselah. And it says that he began to, what was it? What did it say, Steve? He began to what? He began to walk with God. He began his journey of walking. And I remember you calling me a couple years ago on this, and it, it's always just really stuck out to me. 
when Enoch began to see how he related to his very own son, Methuselah, it opened him up to his relationship and his walking it out with the Father. And there is something about raising children (laughs) that opens you up. First of the delight of the Father, yes, and the discipline of the Father, but just um, you, you have to say, oh, man, I need you, Lord, right? Many of you parents in here, you know what I mean. And you children that are here with us, you, you'll more than likely understand one day as you have your own children. Um, but sonship with the Father began to become a reality to Enoch at 65. Because he looked at the son, Methuselah, and said, I love you so much. Wait a minute. You love me. Yes, and I want to know you like you're saying, Laura. It's like, who gets initiated into that at 65, right? You know, we think, man, my journey's on the other end. And the word for some of us, he's just getting us warmed up. How many of you in here, like some of us would say, uh, I think you would say this. I've heard many of you testify this. It's like, I'm just getting to know him. I'm just, I feel like I just getting to know him. And um, I was sharing this with Kara this morning. You know, a lot of people have a lot of to say about church structure. And um, I was looking at some of that this morning, and I thought, man, I can't really deal. I, I, I meant I'm not anti-church structure because I, it's been my, like, go-to to, like, find how to build a whole mechanism, you know. And, um, and I am convinced about one thing, and, and you children can do this as much as Laura, how she's saying, I'm 63, to a person that's the oldest in our midst or the oldest person that you know. You can be blank slate with the Father. It's the not knowing that enters us into His presence. It's the release of knowing. It's the release of... It's the admittance that I know nothing. And I I don't know if you experience this, but this is what we're... And this is what we're engaging with in this environment together. We're admitting that we bring nothing to the table. That we that we are just right before him and we're waiting on him. And then all of a sudden the Lord comes through and he ministers and we say, Oh my, I was like a blind man and could not see. And now my eyes have been opened to something I've not yet experienced before. And I would challenge you children, adults, that we just like, the way I was taught to pray and to worship by the word when I cut my teeth on this, get still, be quiet, and listen. We can present our petitions, but just wait on him and let the transition happen from the knowing 
to the not knowing, to there he is. And his revelation comes and he reveals himself as Father. And every time is a new experience with him. You and I, we were created for him like this. And that's what, that's what Adam and Eve lost in the cool of the day. You know, I've been hearing people talk about the last... I heard someone this week called me and was talking about second reformation. And I'm not against reformation. But I, the word I keep hearing from the Lord is restoration. That it says in Acts 3.21 that Jesus is retained. He's under a legal retainer in the heavens until the restoration of all things. And when you look at that back in Malachi, it says what Brian was doing with us this morning. Thank you, Brian. Was the heart of the father will be turned to the children and the children to their fathers. The great end time restoration is family. And it's the restoration of the heart of God as father being restored to his children. It's what Laura is saying. It's what you're experiencing. Abba. And you don't have to... Um, you know, religion says if you get a 50 things right, you'll be accepted and then he'll delight in you. But the Lord's not like that. He says, I delight in you. Come and sit on my lap and I'll discipline you. <laughs> he loves us. That discipline is, it's like, it's, it's like this. It's like um, navigate to him. It's like, hey, will you agree with what I say to you? And he said, oh, yeah, Lord, I agree with what you say. And he says, oh, man, I'm so glad you agree with me. And uh, we can go to the next agreement. That's what I mean by discipline, is it's another path of agreement. I agree with you, Father, about what you say. I agree with what your word says. And then there's your great discipline. And this repentance comes in and we say, oh, Lord, I need you. He's like, yes, yeah, sit on my lap and let me love on you and cherish you and nurture you and train you like that, okay? Amen. Well, that was good. Yeah, right? Yeah. Dang, I'm like soaking wet. That transmutation is something real. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I want to just um, say this in way of debrief today. You know, congratulations. You know, look at, look at, look at y'all and what you did. That you went with him. This is remarkable. You know, remarkable how you're letting the Lord just take you into his presence. This is remarkable. It's better for us to do this in this setting right now, right now, than to have 50 million people in the congregation. Okay. The Lord delights so much in his people actually just jumping right in with him. And we're getting this tendency in ourselves that it's okay. And you are beginning to just let go. And you're letting go faster. I've noticed the, that many of you are not staying in your mind and uh, in your own consciousness. Uh, you're not staying in someone else's. Some of you can track into other people's minds. 
Some of you can feel and think what other people are thinking in a room. Just saying, you know, some people can do that. But you're not getting caught off guard and distracted. And the, and the Lord keeps sharing with me, he's, uh, he's so satisfied with that. So he enjoys that, and that's what he wants. And um, someone wrote me this week, they said, Carol, we have to let go of the old ways of the church. And I, I mean, I would agree. Uh, because generally speaking, and, and, and in this hour, you, as the war begins to close more and more doors on the Aaronic way of doing things, he's going to have ministries that are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And they're going to just go with him and fly with him. And, and it, it, it's, it doesn't take away that we gather, though. Some are saying, no, we shouldn't gather. And, and that, that, that's not Bible, Hebrews 10. You know, don't forsake. The assembly, we need one another, and so don't forsake. Um, but who knew that we could experience God in a corporate fashion in uh, a set like this? The, the Lord uh, is arranging end-time leadership that will go like this with the Lord. They're not, going to, uh, they're not going to hold back, and many of you are being raised up right now into that kind of mode. You, you'll recognize that the other way really doesn't work. And so we, we embrace this way of life together. And, and the Lord was sharing with Stephen this week and myself, that so much so that he's going to enter us into a greater glory. And I know a lot of guys talk about this. And we've heard so much about it. But I've seen it happen one time in a, down in Mexico, in Media, Mexico. And I, I saw with my own eyes well we we all were flattened out on the stage and the whole sanctuary was completely on their face no one could get up and it was like a sonic boom went off in the uh the tent that we were in uh, it smacked it, it it popped the atmosphere and everybody was flat on their faces and after witnessing and we were all heaving we weeping on the sanctuary the press of God was so strong, you could not get up for a while. And he was healing everybody in the room, calling ministry callings, doing the whole thing. And I, I became like a little bit like convinced that that's where, you know, and the Lord said the end time church will be characterized by these kind of movements of my spirit. I am, and, and so we're, we're believing, not seeking a manifestation, but seeking him. We're seeking the face of Jesus. We're not seeking a, an experience even, or an idea, or a theology, or an, an ideology. But what I want to encourage you is that you seek his face. Don't seek ministry ambition. Don't do it. It'll get you off target. And it, it go, you have to go through seasons of um, death. <laughs> Death. Thank you, Stephen. Don't seek an experience. Seek the very Son of God. And you will, He will come. And He is coming. And He, and he is uh, warming us up, is what He says to me. I'm warming you up. Mostly because when His power comes, He wants us to move immediately into meekness. 
and human tendency is not to walk in humility when power comes and meekness. The Lord's looking for this in our midst. What do I mean by humility? And I wrote, I put this out to some people this week, but humility means I agree with my complete and full and utter dependence upon you. Now, many people do not like that. It, it's like a wiggle. You know, like I want out. I, I feel like I'm being exposed and I want to, I want to do my own thing. And the Lord said, no. <laughs> What's that? You are being exposed, as <laughs> Stephen said. <laughs> so humility, but also meekness. And this is what he said to me this week. And I, I haven't written this up and I'm say this. When you agree with the Lord for full dependence, you're agreeing with your sanctification. Because when you, when you say to the Lord, I'm not going to choose another way to do this, but I'm going to wait only on you, you're allowing him to come in and transfer his life in place of yours. That's what you're doing. You're agreeing with sanctification. When you walk in meekness, you're agreeing with him to release greater power into your life to affect change in others. So God is both the God who is and the rewarder, right? In the past, they've called this the double blessing. I like to think of it as double predetermination. You're agreeing that God is... To God has determined your life and wants you to enter into an agreement about his determination related to your daily life and how you walk at your dependency. But you're also agreeing what he's determined to bless you or reward you with to be a reward to others. You're agreeing with two components. And Jesus says this in Matthew 11, learn of me. I am meek and lowly. The Lord doesn't say that anywhere else. Many of you in here, we're students of God. And he says, if you're going to be a student, if you're going to study anything, study these two attributes about me. Study that I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. Study that. Study my emotions in that. Study my reality in that. And then study this, that when I have the right to exercise authority over another I will not use my authority to power over another, but I will go low. And the Lord, what he does is he's looking throughout the earth saying, oh man, he, he did that, she did that. And you know what he'll do? Greater, he'll bring greater glory. And it's challenging, you know, because what he'll do is he'll, he'll actually test you in this. He'll say, I'm going to let someone do you wrong. And we may not think that the Lord would do that, but he will. He'll challenge you. He'll let you be done wrong, and he'll see how you'll react. If you react in meekness, you get to go to the next place with him. If you hold back, he'll give you that challenge again. The point here is, is that the Lord, everything in the Lord is ours, Paul said this, all is yours. You can have all of the Lord, but he has a way of doing things 
Moses said, Lord, show me your way. What I'm sharing with you is the way of the Lord. Not his acts, but his way. Full dependency and meekness. You want to expand because God made you this way. He made us all this way. He made us to want to expand with land and seed, both in the natural and spiritual. He made you that way. Don't deny it. Don't get into denial because there's a whole group within God's house that will say to you, they have a high view of sin and a low view of reward. There's another group within the church that has a high view of reward and a low view of sin. The Lord has such a high view of sin that he killed his only son on the cross. Know how detrimental sin is, but he also has this high view of reward. And this is the, this is the balance that needs to be within our families and our structure of the way we live our life. So if I believe he is and he's a rewarder of those who are diligent, give yourself to this. I challenge you, give yourself because your expansion in your ministry or your business is directly related to this methodology that Jesus laid out for us. Give yourself to humility. Give yourself to meekness. All right. Let's, um, this morning I'm going to take up offering. Now, we have, you know, uh, PayPal info at OOMZ.org, or you can make checks out to OOMZ, or cash is fine. Um, I want to encourage y'all in your giving, you know, to, to give. Um, I believe that this is good soil, and I, and I want to encourage you, don't, don't be afraid in that area. Um, I, the blessing I've found in my own household has come from uh, giving. The Lord's really challenged our family in giving. It's been such a blessing, um, even monetarily. You know, with, with our cash and things. And, you know, giving of your time is important. Giving of your resources. Um, but I've directly, I've directly watched this and observed this for over a decade. Um, how giving directly impacts God's people in the relation of how you live your daily life. I have watched it with my own eyes. And, and, uh, and I want you to only follow what the Holy Spirit says to you. Only do what He says. Uh, and that's fine with us follow him. Uh, but I want to just pray over you this morning and bless you in, in your faithfulness and in, in, in the release of blessing over your families. Lord, I just thank you for your people here this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you took a risk and gave John three sixteen everything. The very person, you laid your life down freely for us and we as, as believers, we practice and agree with you in the giving of our full self, hold, withholding nothing from you. So challenge us with your word. Challenge us, Lord, um, in the release of, of it, even within our personal finances. Challenge us, Lord. Bless your people here. There's some of you in here that are getting new business off the ground, the path to, to that is whatever God is not mocked, Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I pray that your businesses will launch. And some of you are moving into new developmental places in your businesses and your ministries. And I pray uh, for you over your ministries and businesses that they will increase. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm no longer slave.
Let's all stand together. We're going to go to Luke chapter 2, and this morning uh, we'll be in verse 41. So Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast of the Passover, and when, when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. But when the feast was over, as they were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents did not know it. But because they assumed that he was in their group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard Jesus were astonished at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were overwhelmed. His mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. But he replied, why were you looking for me? Don't, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Yet his parents did not understand the remark he made to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with the people. Let's pray. Lord, again, we come upon this text. Submitted to your word. Always unaware of what way you'd like to take it. And I just submit myself to you that this word that comes forward would be from you and it would honor you and it would honor and, and lead us as your people that we would know what it is that you're saying to us. Just thank you for family this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your gracious work among 
us, Lord. I pray this morning that you would be blessed by the words that are spoken concerning you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, we were ending with verse 39, coming out of 39, and I, and I told you this week I'd pick up with this because I, I wanted to jump off out of this into Jesus coming into the temple precinct, and it says, and when Joseph and Mary had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and, and here at the end of this section, it says, and he became strong and was filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was a upon him and I was highlighting with you last week how important it is that Joseph and Mary had performed that which was according to the law of the Lord you know uh, in our culture today especially the way things have been going um, a lot of people have and I you know maybe this happened to you and your family but if you were raised in a very harsh environment in your home, let's say a very legal environment and performance-oriented environment, or maybe it wasn't necessarily harsh and performance-oriented, but it was, let's just say that you get your affection from primarily the dads in our families or even the mothers in our families, you get your affection based on your performance. If, if you were raised in that kind of home and a lot of the, and, and this was happening, especially in our culture, coming out in the, in the boomer generation that came out of, you know, post-World War II, because uh, there had been a big vacancy of dads because we'd lost so many dads in, in the war. And it, that vacancy had been left in a home. And so a lot of young men that were coming up in homes, especially post-World War II, were coming up with a lot of orphan nature. And and out of that orphan nature comes this kind of idea that I got to get mine and make it happen. And, and, and my identity is formed by the way other people perceive me and think about me. And I got to really uh, go out there and gut it out because they largely have missed numerous of them. I, I don't know how many millions, but had lost their daddies. And because of that, it put an extra burden, excuse, burden on the mothers and that was maybe wasn't not maybe but wasn't the best and and I understand the nobility of dads that said you know we're going to go into the war and I understand too why uh, some of the policies of American uh, you know policy concerning war that we would get into non-intervention that we wouldn't intervene in the global world war world war because of the detriment that would bring to the family and and you see post-World War II, what happens one generation later, uh, you begin to see like the hippie revolution, uh, you know, the Woodstock, the free expression of intimacy in, in, in inappropriate ways and, you, and the drug usage. And you start to see these, these, um, these young people coming up and you see this real cultural revolution happening. And I think largely because we... Post-war war, we're missing so many dads that have been at home. It's left such a huge vacancy because that 
daily just dad being there with the kids to help raise them and supporting uh, the mother and supporting the whole household was, was missing, vacant. And I don't know how many of you are byproducts of that, but when the boomers started to come online, um, there was a sense of rogueness and the self-made man really started to, to come forward. It, I, I'm not sort of, uh, because the, the Industrial Revolution had really got in this as well. Uh, because industry was coming online and it was basically saying my dad's trade or whatever he was involved in was in making something of value in his, in, out of his family and living from his family unit in, um, was being stripped because we can make so many widgets faster and get more done this way. And the Industrial Revolution was beginning to really, as well earlier on, was really bringing a, a dearth within the local family. And uh, some years ago for me, I had, I guess it was three or four years ago, I had borrowed a sawmill from one of my friends and um, brought it up on our mountain. And I, I want to get my daddy's approval, <laughs> to be honest. And my dad, the way you get my daddy's approval was primarily by wood cutting, you know, because dad, dad's granddaddy, he, he sawed logs right out here and they cut down big timbers and he, he would get out there with his granddaddy and they would pull timber all day. And so I got this wood mill out and I was, I put it up there on our property. I borrowed it and I got me some, uh, Rafi went and helped me with this and we pulled these big, you know, oak, red oak logs out of Biltmore Forest and we carried them all the way back up to Saluda and cut them and, and dad's out there and he's like, get the camp hook out and I'm going to show you how to roll a log, son. And, and I'm like, oh, I'm getting daddy's approval, you know. And, uh, and we're just hitting it off, you know. And we're milling the lumber and we're stacking it and it's, it's something new and he's just like loving it. And, and I'm like, I'm going to go build me a kiln and I'm going to make furniture. And, you know, we're in, I'm in the middle of pastoring. I'm trying to find viability and finance and things. I'm just like, whatever I got to do, you know, I got to make it happen. And, and it's one night, it was about 2.30 in the morning. I'm just wrestling all night, and I, and I get woke, woke up by the Lord, and I go into our little couch, and I'm sitting down. And the Lord, he, he takes me to this thing um, about the archetypes of, of uh, masculinity and, and the way families are represented. And, and I start to read this article, and there's this one article which I'm highlighting this morning, The Self-Made Man, and how that how that so many men today within their families and, and with their wives were going out and forming their identity around other, other men and, and saying, I got to just go figure out what I got to do to make it happen because they'd sort of lost their way. And, uh, and, you know, and don't anybody get in on my niche because if you get in on my niche, you're going to cut into my profitability and you're going to cut into my, my, econ my economy. And, uh, you know, I was reading the article and, and the man was making the point that this is like post-industrial revolution, post-war, and this has been happening over the last hundred years. And, and this idea within the local family was we were, we were losing it. And so th the thing is, is dads had to fly away and they had to go do this. They couldn't be present with their, the wives and the kids and they were all trying to go out there and find their identity. And then 
he gets into this other guy that was like pre-industrial revolution, pre the wars, called the heroic artisan. And he said this guy would be like on his, would, would be in his household and then he might have his work site might be off in another place. And um, he would go out and work in his environment, whatever that, that position was, and then he would be maybe close to his house to care for uh, his family, but he'd have to be away a lot. And, or not as much, especially as a self-made man, but he couldn't be present. And, um, and uh, heroic artisans were characterized by the ability of their hands. And, and both in the professional and the trade classes. And then he gets into this other man he calls the Gentile Patriarch. And, you know, this is, this is coming out of leaving England and going back to, you know, British monarchy. And you have these great households and they would build their wealth off their land. And men would have land ownership and they would be able to produce, you know, the wealth and um, they would have their... Uh, well, in this case, which is detrimental, and I, I don't agree with a lot of it, but there was a lot of slavery, and that, that was wrong. But then some of them were good in what they were doing. They, had, they took care of and took care of the economy of others, and they blessed them, and they gave them a place to live and gave them in, in, you know, the income and food and took care of their families. They'd have these great families. And the Lord began to you know, just speak to me that night, and he said, you know, We've fallen so far. And so many people within our culture began to really look down on uh, the Gentile patriarchs. Even the heroic artisans was ha were having problems. And, and so many men had jettisoned into the self-made men. Man, I just got to get mine and make it happen. And I just got to do whatever I got to do. And the Lord, you know, began to speak to me. He's like, I'm wanting to take... Uh, my family's back to an idea. I, I, I want them to come back into relating with me as father so I can expand their households and bless them and create economy for them and begin to uh, bless the household with the wife and the children and, uh, and, and, and really help them. And I'm, I'm talking to you, you know, son. He'll call me son, you know. And I'm like, but I want to make my daddy happy, you know. But something inside of me saying, this isn't right for me. And, and the Lord said, I have an idea of the way that I look at man and woman. I have an idea. I have an ideal, especially among us, his sons and daughters and the royal family. I have this ideal. And I, I, I want to change the way that you view yourself daily. And I want you to begin to believe me for who I say that you are. And um, I, I called my buddy. I said, I'm bringing your meal back. He said, I knew you would because you're a bells and whistles guy. And I said, well, it's not that. It's not, yes, I am a bells and whistles guy. Yes, I like to push buttons to make things happen. And I like it to be easier. And I'm like, if I could, the, the, the fastest way to a point is a straight line. Why complicate the matter? You know, if you can make it simpler, why not do it? Why not find avenues to create uh, economy simply? And, um, and I began to realize that so many sons and daughters have been so scattered and fractured within our families. And the Lord is saying, when, he's, I, I want to bring my family back. 
And I want you to recognize what's going on in your age because so much of the orphan spirit is actually motivating so many people daily. And I want to take you out of the orphan nature into sonship. I want to teach you how to inherit with me as father. And I, I started scratching my head because the fear of God begins to come. The, what I mean about the fear of God, I mean that he's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. You start to realize that it's not their fault. That it's, it's not your parents' fault. It's not, it's not the government's fault. It's, it's not everybody else's thing. God had a plan for your life, and he is saying, will you trust me by faith and believe me for what I want to do with you and your family? It's important, listen, because so much of what happens because of post-World War II, many said, okay, dad was so legal that I'm just going to be a liberal. And I got to be, I, I can't say anything and I can't, you know, I got, I got to be careful and I sort of got to go low and I can't sort of, I can't lead anything and I got to be really careful and and so many just went from total right based because they knew that, that that fierceness that came into the family was not what they had wanted as sons and daughters. And they said, I got to go left now. And now we have a whole culture that's primarily characterized almost, I would say 80%, even though it was 50-50 in the election, but is characterized by that kind of mentality. And it's come out at both the left and the right out of relationship with the father because of the orphan nature. And the Lord is here within the works of God saying, I want to connect to you, sons and daughters, and I want to restore your households. This is why some people kind of wince, but the Holy Spirit put this in the text. Joseph and Mary have performed everything according to the law of the Lord. Notice with me, it says the law of the Lord. It's God's law. They, they had taken their son after, at the eighth day and they had him circumcised. They, they recognized what God had showed them to do as a family. This is really important. I hope that you, you see this. God speaks to that family that husband and wife, Joseph and Mary, and they do what he has revealed to them as a family. It doesn't say she did. It doesn't say he did. It says they both did. They both, they both were in agreement. You see how important this is. And what's interesting to me is they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Now, <laughs> A lot of people would not think that when God begins with you that he might start you out in Nazareth. Anybody know what I'm saying? The Lord takes them to the place of real humility related to the culture even of their day. Capernaum was a better place probably to be. Um, I mean, even the guy... Who has no gall in his mouth? What's his name? Remember? He says, can anything good come from where? All right, Nazareth. <laughs> and the Lord said, he don't have gall in his mouth. He's not like, 
saying something off. That's the truth. Could any good come from the hood? <laughs> I mean, can anything good come from the hood? Could anything good come from an environment like that? Where does the Lord lead them first? You know, sometimes we think, well, the Lord would definitely lead us into pomp and circumstance, but the Lord starts with them in a very humble condition. There's many of you in here. I know your stories, and I love you so much because the Lord didn't start you. I don't think anybody I know in here, the Lord started them out that were following him and something that didn't have some level of humility related to it or maybe humiliation. <laughs> I mean, when the Lord began with you and you said, I'm done with Egypt, you know what I'm saying? I'm done with Egypt and all of its nonsense. And the Lord said, okay, come and follow me. And you said, okay, I thought some of you like found out it's like, oh no, I don't want to live in that. I remember uh, Stephen Jr. was telling me this week how the Lord took you to Hartsville, South Carolina. And he's like, of all things, God, Hartsville, South Carolina. And I'm not down in Hartsville, South Carolina. Don't get me wrong, but the Lord does this remarkable work with him there and his wife, Jennifer. And and you can hear, like, I can hear the storyline in the back of my, and I, I've, I've heard Brian and Brenda's story, you know. They, they ended up in someone else's house for a while. He's like, no, 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 Lord, don't do that to me. And I know other people, you know, they'll tell this kind of story. He's like, mm -mm -mm -mm. I don't want to be in humble conditions. You called me and now you placed me into this. Many of you in here have already walked through that and are coming through that or on your way. In that place of humility and maybe humiliation, it says he grew and became strong. So many people don't realize that what they're doing about being self-made, and this is happening in so many, they're trying to work out an identity in the comparison of others to be somewhere that really in their own nature they are not. And they're saying, that's where I should be. And, and so much of our nation right now is getting involved with so much envy and jealousy related to other people because they're like, I should have that but there's been no human development to bring them there. And that when God would have gave them something and blessed them, they, they would have misused it or manipulated it or controlled in a wrong way. And the Lord doesn't, the Lord's not going to do that with your family. I, I just go ahead and tell you. He hasn't done it with ours. He's not going to do that. He's not going to put you in positions of prominence and then let you just get all corrupted. But why? Because he loves you. That's why. We want, to, we want to have God strengthen us like Ephesians talks about, that you be filled with might in the inner man. We want to be filled with wisdom and have the favor of God in our life upon us. And that is usually found in those places. It's found in those environments where someone else might be looking at it and saying, could anything good come from that? Hey, guys, don't make so much noise back there, please. Now, now um, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem every year and honored the Passover. 
And when he was 12 years old, they go up him, to him according to the custom. But when the feast was over, they're returning home, and they, and, and they, and, but, the, but Jesus stays behind in Jerusalem. His parents, they don't realize what's going on with him, but uh, they have went a day's journey. And I don't know how they just like forgot Jesus. I guess they just trusted he would always be around and do what's right. Um, and they began to look for him among their relatives, I guess, because there was a lot of them. And they, and they said, uh, Let, we got to go back to Jerusalem to look for him. And then they find him, and he's in there sitting, and he's, he's asking questions and getting a dialogue going with answers. Now, and I want you to hear this, because I'm, I'm like, Lord, how do you apply this text? But he's telling me right when I'm asking him. This is why, actually, you're sitting here this morning, whether you realize it or not. Um. There's this longing in our heart, even when God begins to give us rest in our households for Jerusalem, that I I find it so improper today. I I had someone write me this yesterday, and they kind of were a little bit upset with me saying, why are you having these events downtown like this? And, you know, like you need to go back, total house church and the whole thing. And I said, you know, I wrote them back, and they were kind of giving me a hard time about it. And I wrote them back, and I, and I said, I, I love the household. I am all for what we want to see launched out of here as well and other ministries doing house, houses and, and having the household redeveloped because there's been such a dearth of this, especially among r- religious institutions. And there's, there's been, again, a jettison so hard away because... We saw the legal aspect in the local church, and we said, no, man, just go straight house church. And, and we saw that something was missing in our households relationally. And, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. Let us, let us be honest that there has been a problem with the, God's house, let's say, in the Jerusalems of our cities being run um, in a legal way that is not related to the very presence of God. It, it has absolutely been happening, and it's broke so many people's hearts, and they're just like, I'm done with it. And, I, and, and me too. I'm done with it too. You know. And I, and I was like, man, I can't deal with that. I mean, I, I, for some, you know, and this is an indictment on, you know, my family or anything, but even some of my own childhood, I can't even listen to childhood Christian songs. You know, I'm like, the kids will play. I was like, ah, don't play that. It's, it's just like, I can't listen to it because something was going on that was mechanized and non-relational and it was legal and it, you only get your approval if you do these things. And I just like, ah, get it away. That's why, you know, this has happened to some of us and we'll be kind of radical here to just be like, whatever, Lord, have your way because we know the difference. And if you, you know, Tom Manis was saying this this week, you know the difference between God's peace and a sense of not having that feeling and feeling vulnerable. You know the difference. And when you feel the presence of the Lord, you know the difference. You're just like, nobody has to convince you. And unless you go to an environment like that and you're like, uh uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And so you see what I mean? And so 
But we don't just, because it was so legal, we don't just go full, fully into that environment, the circular, when the Lord's wanting to take the body in to Jerusalem. Um, he used that when we came here. He said, I'm going to take, he said, I'm going to take out a Jebusite stronghold within Asheville and I'm going to bring a people together corporately that will worship me in a corporate ma- 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 manner here. In the middle of the Young Men's Institute, the African-American Cultural Center, come here because I am going to raise up a corporate expression to my name that will glorify my name. And it will be built off of humility and meekness. It, it will look like me. And when it doesn't, I'll bring discipline. <laughs> Because I love my people and I delight to bring my glory into their midst. And I, I, the Lord's not on compromise in this. And so you see Jesus. Where is he at? Jesus, Jesus is in Nazareth, but they still go to Jerusalem. They still are going up. They're still coming together, a corporate sanctuary. They're still there. And he's in there saying, man, I've got some questions and i got some answers. He is the answer. He didn't divorce the local house because of his household. And I believe that you will see with me if you study the book of Acts, which I brought out to the gentleman this week, that's like, Carol, get out of all that. I I brought up to him, James was the apostle of what? You know, he had his head cut off. Yeah, but he was the apostle of the Jerusalem church. The Lord still had James there leading the Jerusalem church. And it says in Acts, they met what from where? House to house. The Lord hasn't, and and these are technical terms. I'm going to use this and, and some of you will understand what I mean. He didn't divorce the modality from the sodality. He didn't divorce the household from the modal Uh, church, the Lord actually, if you really look at him, he's both king and priest. He's both, God himself is both female and male. He agrees with both structures. The modal structure, which is the local house, like we're sitting in right now, but also the sodal structure, which is the household. The Lord's not against them, and we see him up in Jerusalem. It's interesting to me in the text that <laughs> this is so his mama's like, now why'd you treat us like this? You know. Um I mean some of you could do some commentary on this. Some of you mamas, you know. Now why you know, I've I've experienced this son being a husband and a father. You know, sometimes it's like, and I think you men will know what I'm saying, but sometimes you you got to go do something. You can't give a full explanation. You kind of, you got to go out and lead and you're taking risk and you're just like, I, I, I the Lord put this on my heart and I got to do it. And um, I'm trying to like, you know, I want to get agreement here, but sometimes I just got to make a decision. And you, you go make a decision. Like, what? Now, why didn't you tell me exactly what you were going to do? You know? <laughs> You probably would, Sarah would have told Abraham, do not go up and kill our boy that we waited 25 years for. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Uh-uh, she, she would have wanted to kill Abraham. <laughs> I'm going to get you, you'll mess with my baby. 
that's my baby. I bore that baby. Don't mess with me. And he's like, I got to go take a risk. I got to run out. You know, I was sharing with Kara the other day. We were walking around and the kid, the boys were running down to the creek. And she said, stop, stop. They're going to wreck the bikes and everything. I was like, you got to let them wreck. Let them run down to the creek. But there might be. And I was like, there might be. But if they don't find out, I was like, you'll stop them from, you'll stop them. They need this. They need to, don't do it to them. But Carol, you're reckless. I'm like, no. I was like, I agree. There, there needs to be some safety. But we got to let them boys learn. They got to bounce off some stuff and hit this and be like, that didn't work. Okay, we'll try another way. <laughs> well, it hurt his mama's feelings. <laughs> she loves him. There's nothing wrong with that. But why have you treated us this way? Your daddy and I have been looking for you anxiously. You know, and he replied... This, this is something you should not say. <laughs> what? What was I doing? Why are you looking for me? I was just about doing what I was supposed to be doing. I tried that sometimes in my marriage. It don't always go good. <laughs> I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I tried that with the kids. They go, I want a full explanation, Dad, for why you're doing the thing you're doing. Don't you owe me one? Because a good dad would give me all the information. I was like, no, not exactly. I still love you. But sometimes in the moment, I can't just give you all the information. There might be some intel that you might get later. Do you trust your daddy that he has the best interests of his family in mind? See, this, this has been a problem, folks, in our households and the way we're dealing with our families. Why do you treat us this way? But he replied... Why were you looking for me? Don't you know I have to be about my father's business? Some, some of you will have a lot of joy in what I'm saying here this morning. I think hopefully all of you will. That we would be about, right, the father's business. That we're engaged with him in relationship. See, you can't be about your father's business if you're orphaned from the Father. If you, if you and I are out there trying to find our way and self-actualize ourselves and be ambitious or get into vain conceit, okay, it's what, what the apostle says. If I'm pursuing something by vain conceit, vanity, to be conceited to make myself look better than other people, if, I, if that's my mode, he said, or by selfish ambition, I'm trying to pursue my life... How many of you, many of us have been broken in here from that, right? You know what I mean by selfish ambition and vain conceit, how that it leaves you completely empty. Why? Because the Father made it, made you and me this way, that I may be about my Father's what? Business. He's a businessman. He's an entrepreneur. He's a, he's a colonizer. He's taking ground. Uh, he's going to, what is it, Andromeda? I don't know what I'm saying, but is there like another guy? He's, he's got some big plans, guys. The Lord does. He's probably going to give you, each one of you, your own galaxy. I mean, he's probably got it all planned. There's billions of them. He's probably got a plan for you to have your own galaxy and to plant with him. I mean, the Lord's into taking ground. 
He, he's a businessman. He's into integrity and credibility, and he's into, you know, making sure things line up. He, he's into this. He's, I'm about my father's business right now. What he has for me is what I'm going to be about out of a revelation relationship with him, and that's all I'm going to be about. I don't need to be about anything else because I'm not trying to self-actualize myself anymore. I have a relationship with him as father. Your enemy in this world system wants to bring an attack against that and tell us, no, lean left, go socialism, lean right, go, go capitalism, free market enterprise, and take advantage on a capitalistic model or a, a socialistic model. And the Lord says, no, bless, give away, serve, sow, and you will reap. He has a whole different kingdom model. He wants to extract out of us the orphan nature and say, you're my son, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, in whom I'm well pleased. And you come under the delight of a father, whether, whether you're running a, a paint stick or you're a surgeon or you're a lawyer or you're cleaning up a fort. It wouldn't matter anymore because you have a relationship with Abba. His presence is with you. It doesn't matter what you put your hand to. But it does matter in the sense, is, is it your father's business? And you might be surprised, I might be surprised what the father's business might look for for some of us. Actually, some of us, so many people, have been living so much out of the false self and false identity that they went and took degrees and programs and all kinds of things that had nothing to do with what the Lord wanted for them. I mean, how much of that do we see today? I mean, it's not even their design. They're trying to be something they literally are not. And the Lord is never going to agree with a version of you that he did not create. He only agrees with the version that he made you to be. Now, people kick against this, like, that guy's got that and I don't. That lady's got that and I don't. And the Lord's like, stop it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, those that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Stop making comparisons. Stop living out of envy or jealousy. Get in relationship. Brad brought this up in the prayer meeting today. What do you, Father, have for me in my business with you? And how can I support my brothers and sisters in the business that you've called them to? Let me love them into what you've called them into. Don't you know I must be about my Father's house? And I believe that when we divorce the the local gathering in the Jerusalem, so to speak, we cut off an aspect of knowing the relational aspect of father. While we may be embracing the nature of mother, we're missing the risk-taking and the life that comes with a dad. You men, you, you men know what I'm talking about. I was wrestling with the boys out there on the fairway last night and throwing them and moving them and we were having a good time and they're they're coming up and my little my little uh baby leander man he puts it on and he's just like whoosh, whoosh. i was like oh that hurt and i just kind of throw him and he needs to bounce up against and i'm not saying you have to express yourself that way as a man but it's good for my little man running risk with a bigger man you know oh you know i just put my knee in his back a little bit and let him feel a little bit of a rub you know, feel a little bit that maybe you might not make it. Maybe I'll take the life out of you for a minute. You know, oh, dad, 
You're hurting me. Let the Lord, you know, do that with us. The Father. And the, and the beautiful nature of mother. But let us not be offended with the Lord. <clears throat> Stephen, if you want to come forward and, and, and let's stand together and I'll close. Listen to this. This is really interesting. They didn't understand the remark he made to them. Joseph and Mary, who keeps the law, who does what's right, do not understand Jesus right here. And I, I, I'm going to say this publicly, but I believe a lot of this understanding is missing from the church right now. I, a very good man that wrote me this, up, sort of like, Carol, you're just blowing it all to pieces and stuff. And I'm like, no. No, we want whole families. We don't just want the representative of one aspect of God. We want the whole aspect. We don't want orphaned sons and daughters anymore. We want to be in the business of our father, and we want our households run rightly. We want our children and our grandchildren to grow up under the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. We both need God's mercy and his wrath. We need to know his discipline and his delight. We need both. We need both in our families. What happens here is that we don't understand his remarks. He goes back to Nazareth and it says, I love this. I say this to you children. And the Lord was obedient to his parents. Honor your father and mother so that what? So your days may be long on earth. I used to think, what does that mean? And the Lord shared with me one day. Because he's a God of order, your life can get so much done in one day. But if you want your day to be longer, he can expand your training within one day and you can accelerate in your process of growth. And I said, oh, honor brings a reward with it that accelerates your growth process. Because you, sometimes you look at someone else and say, how are they so far down the road like that? How did they get there? How did they advance in their business or their ministry like that? How did that happen? Honor your father and mother. Bring honor. The honor brings a reward with it. And honor's missing so much from today. People need to honor one another in the gift that lays inside of each other. Respect one another. Be kind to one another. Love one another. Honor brings a reward with it. He says, uh, he came back to Nazareth. He was obedient. And I love this because I think many of you mothers, you know what you know what's being said here. He said his mother pondered all that in her heart. She let it deeply sit with her that her son had to be about the father's business and maybe she had to let go. <laughs> she done. That's hard for a mama. Some you know, I, those of you that are mamas to let go of your baby sometimes and say, oh, I gotta live them over to you. She, she pondered that deep in her heart. She said, I'm going to release them to you, Lord. I conclude with this. It repeats this again. It says, and he increased in wisdom. You ever have a conflict and you, 
with someone he just can't figure out how to get it right. Jesus increased with wisdom. He knew exactly what to do at every time, at every moment. He just knew. Why? He honored his mom and daddy in Nazareth. And why? Wisdom comes over him. Folks, we need wisdom. Jesus was increasing constantly in wisdom, even though he's God who is man. But he didn't take his divinity and use it like that. He was in, as a human man, he increased in wisdom and in stature. That means uh, Kara's been saying this lately, level up, level up, level up. He leveled up. And favor grew in his life with his father. How could that be? He's God. I mean, I don't under, even understand this text. Except that Philippians says he didn't count it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and came in the form and likeness of man. That's the only way I could deal with this text. But he says he, he increased in favor. The Lord said, I really like that. What that decision you just made, that, that just pleases me so much. Give him another opportunity to make another decision. And with people, Jesus increases in favor among others. So let me just give you this, and and we're going to close right here. Sometimes, um, even within our families, Jesus has not been represented right. And I would say everybody here has had some kind of thing with that. Okay, all of us. And all of us have done it. We've misrepresented him. Okay, but... um, Some of us don't even realize how much of our identity is being lived out. Trying to find, to be actualized in some way. And we realize something was wrong in the household and we want this to be made right. And now we're recognizing that the word works out of Jerusalem as well, that the Godhead is both male and female that he's a risk taker and a nurturer. That he brings discipline with love. That he's very truthful. And he delights in mercy and he's faithful. You know, and part of what we're going through in worship this morning is like, what we're engaging with in worship is basically saying, take out of me the structural motif that's inside of me that is holding me back from my relationship with you Abba so I can relate with you and know that I'm no longer orphaned from the father but I'm son and heir and will be glorified one day that you're the joint heirs of Christ that you're the sons and daughters of the Lord and here you here you do this with me I'm going to believe you today no matter what my eyes see so when someone strikes at you, you can bless. When someone rips you off, you can give more away. That, you, that we, we don't think like this world thinks that when the Lord tells you, oh, take a risk, and you're like, no, I don't have a way to do that. He says, come out with me, trust me. 
And you have family members that are away from him, you don't see them return. Wives, it says, by the conversation of the wife, your husband would be saved. That your conversation would be so sweet that it would just draw him to the Lord. And men, that you would cherish and love and nurture your wife so much that she would just be immersed in your love so deeply that she would just be drawn into the Lord and say, I want him. And then the children would sit there and watch and marveling in our families and our grandchildren and say, oh, what's going on with y'all? I'm about my father's business. And his business is like this. And I want to be released and I want to be liberated. I don't want to be a child walking around just trying to find my way all the time. I want to know what he's saying. Right? I want to be with you, Lord. I want your way of doing things. I'm into how you do it. I'm going to agree with your It's so amazing that God's predetermination for you, his double predetermination, is to release you from sin and to reward you and bless you. Now, all you have to do is like this, like some of you, I just take my hands out and I freely receive. No, Carol, it can't be that easy. Yes, it is. Let him commune with you now. Just that's that easy. Oh, man. Every day he delights in us. Every day he enjoys us. Every day we can be about his business and we can forgive and give. Man, we have communion ready for you. So go ahead, family, and just come forward and then we'll take communion together. receiving communion, I have something for you from the Lord. And I, I was kind of excited about this, but um, he told me to ask him for you, which of course you can ask him yourself. I'm going to ask him this morning for you. If you want this, that he would accelerate your development. Some of us, I think we feel like we've got behind I don't know. I felt like that a lot. I don't know if you feel like that sometimes. Like, oh man, I haven't got. I just like I want to, you know. I'm gonna pray for you this morning that God, if you want this, that by the path of honor, that you'll receive the reward of your Father, and He will accelerate your journey so that you can receive all that He has for you. 
Enoch 365 years, Laura. All packed within one person's lifestyle time. You could have him like this. Could you imagine living the equivalent of 365 years before you go home to be with him? Yeah! I want this. Lord, I ask you this morning for an acceleration based in honor that we can receive your divine nature this morning, that we can grow up and mature because we're planted in the house of the Lord, that we would be like the sons and daughters that would mature quicker, that every person on the sound of my voice would come into great maturity, like it was in the days they said in Solomon's house, that everyone had such great wisdom from the least to the greatest. I pray this over you this morning. I pray this over this whole house. Whoa! That you can receive the life of God into your very mortal frame. And you can have all that he has for life and godliness. That we can repent every day, even if it took 490 times a day. That we would navigate with the Holy Spirit and we would move with him. That we would live and move and have his, our being in him. That we may be found only in him. That this would be the highest pursuit of our life. Hope cause us to grow. Cause us to accelerate. Cause us to know you, Father. Run with you. Run with you into your presence. Run with you by the path of honor and thankfulness and a grateful heart. Yeah, see, we can have that. He's told me this for years. You can accelerate with me. You want to go on a full tilt acceleration? Come with me. I'll give you all of myself. I'll give you everything. All of me. Because I gave all for you. And the Lord, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let the plants of renown come out of this broken life. Let the renowned ones that are in the sound of my voice be raised up. Plants of renown. A people that have been broken, Lord, but they've found you to be the, the sweet one that filled us with your love. And he took the cup of the new covenant, there was, and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.